God made it very clear that he wanted the people to act in faith by giving him a bit of the tithe, honestly, a tithe of what they grew first. And that's kind of what tithe is. I mean, tithe really is an act of faith on our part nowadays. When we tithe, we are trusting that God is using that money for good and that he is not going to like take from us, but he is going to protect us and take care of us, even though we are giving our money to some, somewhere where we don't really know where it's going. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Happy Monday. (laughs) I don't even know what day it is today, guys. Almost said happy Wednesday. No, happy Monday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast this morning. And apparently I am tired if I don't even know what day it is. But let's go ahead and read Leviticus chapter 23, verses 1 through 14. We're going to start like a whole new portion of Leviticus, which is talking about the different um, holidays that the Israelites would celebrate. So let's see what the holidays are and what... God is telling his people to do regarding the holidays. So let's read Leviticus 23, 1 through 14. I'll be reading it out of the, actually the NIV version today, because I was reading it out of the WEB, and there were some things that were just kind of confusing to me, so I switched over to the NIV version. But please feel free to read out of the version you prefer to read out of, as always, and grab your cup of coffee. Let's go ahead and start. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. These are the Lord's appointed festivals, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. For seven days, you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present a food offering to the Lord, and on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you and reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord, so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. On the day you wave the sheaf, 
you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb a year old without defect, together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil, a food offering presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, and its drink offering of a quarter of a hin of wine. You must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your God. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. So God calls these festivals, that's what it says here in the NIV version, God calls them festivals, and basically they are times for the people to just like rest, recharge, relax, and worship God. And God says that during each of these festivals, the people are actually supposed to go to church or the temple or whatever, and they were supposed to have like a sacred assembly is what it's called. So other believers were supposed to gather with other believers to worship God together and to have assembly. The first time was once a week on the Sabbath day. And this is interesting that God is like putting church in place like way back in these days to show people how important church really is. And for me, I didn't understand the importance of church. I really didn't. And I'm sure many of you have heard my testimony about that before. But I didn't understand the importance of church at all. I was just going because that was what I was taught to do. But it was not because I wanted to do it. It was just something I believed I needed to do in order to basically be in God's good graces in a weird way. And so I would go to church, but I got no enjoyment out of it whatsoever. In fact, I hated church, actually. Like, deep down, I really hated going. But I was just like, oh, I just have to do this drudgery for God. And so then I would go and I would have the most miserable attitude the entire time I was there for that hour of my life. And then I would rush out the door the second the preacher was done. And so it's just interesting, the shift that I had in my life during 2019 when God was um, really kind of teaching me what was wrong with me, I guess. And so I started going to church because it was my only way, I guess, to have fellowship with people during that time period because um, I was very busy. I was going to work full time and then school full time at night. So I was very busy. So I had very little time to myself and also very little time to hang out with my friends. But I still made going to church a priority because I believed I had to go. But I started to like church because I understood the need for me to have social interactions because I'm actually a very um, extroverted person. And so going to church started filling something in me that I didn't really need before because before I had lots of time. I was only working a part-time job before 2019 and I had lots of time. I would hang out with my husband. I'd hang out with my friends. I'd hang out with my social group, whatever. But then like when that was all taken away from me because I didn't have that time, I found that in a weird way through church. And so I started wanting to do stuff at church. So during the busiest time, still to this day, I would guess of my life, I started making time to go to church, not because it was like drudgery, but because I wanted to do it. And then I started having this love for that community that I was growing in at my church. And now I, I know almost everybody at my church, at least um, a little bit, I would guess. But I know most of the people that go to the church, I would say, like 80%. And so it's it's just really cool, the shift that I had 
where I went from knowing maybe, maybe 10% of the people that went to my church to knowing almost 80% of the people that go to my church. So I definitely understand the importance of community. And so when God is putting this in place here for his people, he is telling them community with your fellow people is extremely important. Don't just see your family all the time, but go and build a community so that when this person over here gets hurt or they need something, you will be there for them and vice versa. So I just love that God is putting this in place. So the one time a week, God puts one day a week where the people are supposed to go and have a sacred assembly is what it's called in the NIV, a sacred assembly. That's where the people are supposed to go to the temple and fellowship with each other and have a sacred assembly with each other as many people come and worship God together. And we know that there's power in that. There's a lot of power in many believers coming together to pray and to worship God. I mean, what's the Bible say? It says that when two or more are gathered together in God's name, he will be there in the middle with them. So there's something very powerful about many people coming together to pray and to worship God. So on the Sabbath day, not only are the people supposed to take work off, but they are supposed to have a sacred assembly with each other. But now God kind of goes into these, um, not just the Sabbath, but he goes into the different holidays or festivals that he wants the people to celebrate. The first festival was the Passover. So this would be one day of where the people would have to go through the Passover traditions that God already put into place, um, you know, with eating no leavened bread, eating quickly. Um, I can't remember all the rules for Passover, but we did talk about that a while back. But here in verse four, it says, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, the sacred assemblies you are to proclaim at their appointed times. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, uh, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. So the Passover was for one night and then it was kind of like a week-long Passover, I guess, but it was called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. So Passover was one night, and then the Festival of Unleavened Bread would last for a week, where the people were supposed to get rid of all the leavened or yeast in their house and eat things that were only without yeast. And removing yeast from your home, we already talked about that, but that's just like showing that you're like removing sin, I suppose, from your house. So that's like the point of uh, removing the leavened is to... um remove the sin. And a lot of times throughout the scripture, leavened is actually equal to sin. So yeah, leavened is just like an analogy in scripture for sin. But then it says on the first day of the uh, of the festival of unleavened bread, on the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. And then also on the seventh day, they need to hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work, whatever day that fell on. And this was just for the people, not only to have rest and relaxation from their work, but just to worship God more and to understand that God gives rest. I mean, how many times is that, is that stated in scripture? Is that God gives rest. And he was really big about the people resting. Well, actually, we're going to see that the people actually take a lot of days off because God goes on to talk about more festivals and different days that the people are supposed to take off. And these were all just holidays. These were days that the people could just rest and relax because God gives rest and he knows the importance of rest for the human body. So I think that's another reason why God uh, gives these festivals to his people. 
So moving on, it says that the next holiday that the people were supposed to do after the Passover and Festival of Unleavened Bread was actually called the Offering of the First Fruits. So this would happen right after Passover and that entire week of Passover was like done. And this was all done in the spring. So all three of these holidays were in the spring. So the Offering of the First Fruits was a totally different holiday. And this was one that was more focused on joy because we know Passover was actually more focused on like solemnness, solemn rest. But I believe the offering of the first fruits would be more of like Thanksgiving, more of like joyfulness that God was um, giving them crops. So when the springtime happened in Israel, the wheat would just be beginning to produce some wheat. I've never grown wheat before, so I don't actually know um, what it takes to grow it. But okay, the first little bit of wheat that they would get from their crops, this would be the first fruits. So part of the rule of the offering of the first fruits was that the people were not allowed to eat the wheat until they gave some to God first. So they would have to bring a sheaf of grain for the for the harvest, the very beginning of the harvest. And I know for me, when I have my garden, it is just so exciting when you get those first little crops in your garden. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. You're just like, I grew this. This is so cool. You know, like I get this. But also you don't get a lot. Like when my hot pepper plants grow, like my uh, jalapeno plants, they uh, don't produce much. I probably get like maybe one or two jalapenos with the first, I guess, harvest, I suppose. But it's just so exciting getting those first couple jalapenos. But you don't get a lot. You have to wait until the the crops really start to produce, and then you'll start getting more as the season goes on. So this would have been an act of faith, really, for the people to have to give God the very first little bit of their food before they were allowed to eat it. This would have been an act of faith that God was going to continue to keep producing for them, that their crops were going to keep, um, you know, growing and having more food on them. But God made it very clear that he wanted the people to act in faith by giving him a bit of the tithe, honestly, a tithe of what they grew first. And that's kind of what tithe is. I mean, tithe really is an act of faith on our part nowadays. When we tithe, we are trusting that God is using that money for good and that he is not going to like take from us, but he is going to, you know, protect us and take care of us, even though we are giving our money to some somewhere where we, we don't really know where it's going, just a freely giving of our money. And so that's very hard. It's very hard for me to tithe. I'm not a very good tither. And I try to be, but I'm, I'm not a good tither. But it is an act of faith to tithe and to trust God that he is going to continue to take care of you in spite of the fact that you just like gave your money away and you don't know where it's going. <laughs> but that's the point of tithe, to just show that you have faith in God. And that's the same thing here. God is almost telling his people to tithe. Their very first bits of grain that they start to get the first fruits and they need to give it to God first before they do anything else with it. So here in verse 10, it says that speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I am going to give you and reap its harvest. So the people did not have to do this until they entered the promised land. And I think that's really important to pick out because God was just not like 
asking for what the people didn't have. But he was saying, when I put you in the promised land, then you do this. When your crops start to produce and when you're like well-established, then you do this. But in the desert, as they're wandering around in the wilderness, God was not demanding his people to do that. And that just shows more of God's kindness of understanding that the people probably were going to be unable to do that until they entered into the promised land. But also it was a promise towards the people, like showing them, look, you're about to enter into this promised land. You're going to go there. And this is a promise to you. And this was just God reiterating that promise to his people once again. So then he says that the people were supposed to bring the priest a sheaf of the first grain that you harvest. And I don't know if this was for each individual family or the nation of Israel as a whole. I don't actually know that. And I couldn't uh, find that anywhere when I looked that question up. It doesn't exist, but (laughs) I don't know. It could have been the entire nation of Israel just had to bring one huge sheaf of grain to the priest Or it could have just been each individual person, whatever they had, had to bring um, a sheaf of grain to the priest. And then God says that he will accept it on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. So whatever day you bring it, the Sabbath after, the priest was supposed to wave this sheaf. So I am wondering if um, it wasn't individual sheafs at that point, because I can't imagine the priest would be able to wave a huge sheaf. Because <laughs> you remember the wave offering. They had to like wave it back and forth, like show God, hey, God, here's this sheaf I'm giving you. And that was literally the point of the wave offering was to like get God's attention, I suppose, and just be like, look, God, the people brought you this. So yeah, the wave offering. So the priest was supposed to wave the sheaf. And maybe it didn't have to be a huge sheaf It was the, if it was the entire nation of Israel. Maybe it could be like a reasonable sized one. I don't know. I, I truly don't know the answer to that question. So if you guys know if the first fruits was for the entire nation of Israel or for each individual family, let me know about that because I don't really know. And you have to remember that families were huge back in those days as well. So maybe it was each individual family because families were really, really big. I mean, look at Jacob's family. We saw that Jacob's family had like 80 people under his household. And like, that's just how families worked back in these days because everybody lived together and like it would be like clans more so. And so families were just huge because every single person would be living under one roof. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it was for each individual family, but it does say that as well as the sheaf of the grain, you must sacrifice a burnt offering, a lamb, a year old without defect. So maybe, yeah, it was for each individual family. They would have to bring a lamb because the Israelites were like an agricultural community that also had animals. In fact, they had tons of animals. We know that from when they left Egypt, they took all their animals. They had tons and tons of animals. So each family bringing a lamb, in my opinion, was probably not super hard unless that family was super, super poor. And uh, I would guess at that point they could just bring the turtle doves that we talked about earlier where the poor people were allowed to bring the turtle doves instead of the um, lamb. But anyway, it says that they had to bring the lamb and then it said that it had to also have a drink offering of a quarter of a hen of wine. I don't know how much that is. Let's see. It says, oh, okay. It says about a quart. It says about one quart or one liter of wine. 
That's a lot of wine. But yeah, they had to bring a drink offering to God, a one-year-old lamb, and then the grain. And then, of course, that last little part here in verse 14, it says, you must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day that you bring this offering to your God. So that means that whatever grain they picked on that very first harvest, they were not allowed to make any of it for themselves, any bread or new grain for themselves until that offering had been offered to God. And once again, that was just a show of faith. That was a tithe that the people were supposed to do. And they, God really was not asking much in this situation. And if the people were thankful to God that God was finally giving them new crops, I'm sure the people would be excited about this, be happy that they were able to celebrate this holiday and to do this and just be thankful to God that he was providing their crops for them. So that's my call to action for you guys is just what can we be thankful for God giving to us and how can we you know, we don't, I know God doesn't need anything that we have, but how can we give back to God and show our thankfulness to God? What can we do today to do that? All right, friends. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this episode on this lovely and tiring Monday morning. <laughs> I don't know why, but I've been really having a hard time speaking into the microphone recently. I'm just like so tongue-tied these past few days. It's just like crazy. I don't know what's going on with me. But yeah, thanks for still tuning in and bearing with me regardless of that. Anyway, guys, if you ever want to support P40 Ministries, go and purchase one of my books. Go to the website, purchase a t-shirt, and that would really help me and P40 Ministries continue to do what I do, and that will help me buy new equipment and uh, just continue on with the podcast in the way that I am doing it. And uh, I'm just realizing that asking for money was really bad timing because... I just talked about tithing for you guys, and I promise you that that was unintentional. (laughs) I did not actually mean to do that, so sorry about that. It's just something that's been on my mind that, you know, I I haven't said in a while that if you want to support P40 Ministries, just please go and uh, support P40 Ministries. But thanks so much, guys, for tuning into this episode, and I hope you just have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening, and God bless. God bless.